welcome to The Near Memo, a weekly conversation about search, social, and commerce. What happened, why it matters, and the implications for local. Welcome back, everybody, to The Near Memo. And I'm Greg Sterling. I'm here with David Mim and Mike Blumenthal, as always. And we're talking about the week's news in search, social, and commerce, and anything else that comes into our minds spontaneously in the moment. Um, I have a, a, a relatively new hair haircut, although my hair does not look as good as it can. But, um, you know, I'm returning to the world of normal uh, appearance uh, gradually. So, all right, with that. Congratulations. Thanks. You you always look pretty uh, pretty tailored and uh, and uh, in, in good shape, David. So, yeah, uh, well, you're too kind. You're too kind. Um, anyway, let's... so you 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 let's let's kick it off with the with the, the news about the Vista print rebranding. Exactly. So, Greg, I is it really an interesting highlight uh, on your part in our newsletter earlier this week that Vista Print is rebranding as Vista? Um, you know, I think that it's probably pretty easy to understand why they're rebranding to remove the word print from their name, uh, given the world going digital. Um, but it's it a it struck me as a in my mind a very successful rebrand in terms of it's visually very sharp and the the website is is really clean and modern and everything else things that i wouldn't have associated with vistaprint uh, prior to the rebrand b i think executionally it's interesting that they're not trying to do everything at once um which is you know there's there's pluses and minuses but i think it's the smart it's more of the sort of mvp rebrand mindset as opposed to the um you know try to try to encompass everything so they still are maintaining uh, independent brands and independent websites for their portfolio companies that I assume over time will sort of get folded into the Vista.com uh, experience. But that was just a, an interesting thing to me uh, that the, they were able to sort of compartmentalize the, the stages of their rebrand. And I thought they did a, a pretty nice job with it. Um, and then it also ties in with um, their fellow NBA jersey sponsor, Squarespace. So Vistaprint uh, or now Vista sponsors the Celtics. Squarespace sponsors the Knicks, uh, which I think is just an interesting dynamic on a, at face value. And Squarespace announced on their earnings call today, which you also highlighted, that their total addressable market is 800 million uh, SMBs and solopreneurs, which gets back to the, the TAM discussion we had a few episodes ago on the Near Memo. And it strikes me that Vista and Squarespace are probably actually competing for uh, a similar set of that 800 million. Uh, my first memory of Vistaprint is all of their promotions around, you know, get 50 free business cards, which, you know, who needs a, who needs 50 free business cards? It's the person who's just started a business. Um, and or Mike Blumenthal who forgets to give them away. The perfect number for me. <laughs> I have some right. gather up cards if you'd like them. Uh, collector's items. Those might be worth something someday. Um, <laughs> But it just strikes me they're they're both competing for a similar market, and you know potentially this rebrand um, may signal a different product focus on Vista's part. But I think that they um, it's a it's a nice way to evolve their brand that still addresses kind of that same market. And I think we're now see, like it's very interesting to me to see you know the money and interest now that's that's um, going after the very low end of the SMB space, which for as long as Mike and I have been involved in digital marketing, local search has been just completely ignored. Uh, and it seems like now there's there's 
there are real venture capital bets being made uh, on the very small business and getting people getting a customer very early on that will maintain a relationship with you as they grow. So I thought it was an interesting rebrand, a well executed rebrand, um, and speaks to the value of that of that very low end SMB. What's Although, what's interesting? One oh, has ahead, to Mike. ask where eight hundred million comes from. Adjustable well, it's 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 somebody's number. Somebody sat in a room and came up with that number, and undoubtedly, it's it's too big. But directionally, it suggests that the market for these companies is much larger than what historically everybody has been thinking. You know, this is a global number, but right. um, but it's 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 a. I mean, it's a number to impress. It's got to be based on some third party calculation. A guy can't. He, you know, the 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 CEO just can't pull it out of his posterior. There's got to be some something he can point to. So somebody has made some some calculation, however questionable, that this is the the potential market, and they've they've swept a lot of individuals. You know, he used the word creators, which is, uh, you know, a lot of people who are now on TikTok or YouTube or, you know, whatever Etsy, trying to sell some, you know, a lot of side hustles in there um, with people hoping to make money and maybe turn them into larger businesses. But still, it's a massive. Massive number. Horace Dadu, in relation to Apple's announcement about their business IT product, used the numbers closer to what you've traditionally used, which was thirty million in the United States and two hundred million right. globally. Well, that's the that's the official number in the in the U.S. That's the Census Bureau or the the Bureau of Labor Statistics in the U.S. is like thirty two now. I think is the official number. And you know, years ago when I was working for the Kelsey Group, we always sort of cut that in half or cut it down even further because of the reasons that you implied, David, that they're there just wasn't a lot of disposable discretionary spending at the very low end. So you had to go after somebody who had some budget and who was a more sophisticated marketer to get that, you know, to get that, 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 uh, that money. But by the, by the same token, the average spend was like 6,000 a year. The average S&B marketing spend was 6,000 a year. And it's probably no different today if we, if we look at it, you know, um, so uh, I was going to say one, one, one other thing about the Vista, Vista print. Um, oh, I got, I get, this is not what I was going to say, but I, I used it a bunch of times, like for joke, joke business cards. <laughs> like I have these business cards that say certified, Greg Sterling certified practitioner. On them. <laughs> this is how they got to 800 million, Greg. You've been inflating yes, exactly. the numbers. Yes, I'm, I'm at least a hundred million. Of them. <laughs> anyway, no, I, I agree. I thought it was a, I thought it was a nice uh, rebrand and, 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 you know, these companies, I know what I was going to say. These companies now like Squarespace and Wix and, Vista Print, Vista, and you know others, GoDaddy, Square. Yeah, they they have a they have a massive track record, and they have a you know they have real revenues, and so it's easy, it's easy to 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 now look at them and say you know that space is worth investing in, you know, because they've they've proven it proven it out to 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 a large degree, I think. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, it's it's not the traditional path to go down though, which is to start small and you know go into enterprise, right? Um, I haven't seen too many companies other than the four or five that we mentioned in the last couple of years start small and go even smaller, um, which is right. Which it's is the other it's the other way because people think, oh, right. why am I spending all this time and effort to try and get these very little accounts when I can spend less time and get much bigger accounts and, you know, 80, 20 or something like that. Um, OK, so my topic today is kind of a hybrid, but uh, I wanted to start out with the. Uh, U.com search engine launch. So this this company, uh, which I was unfamiliar with before this week, uh, U.com or the 
that's the brand, uh, launched the search engine and uh, showed up with $20 million in funding from Mark Benioff from Salesforce and, and, and some other folks. Um, and it was interesting, you know, I wrote about it. It's kind of interesting because they're trying, you know, they're getting, they're getting data from some structured sources, Yelp among them and um, Reddit and TripAdvisor and a few others. And they're trying to do a kind of a different UI, which I thought was interesting. It wasn't particularly pleasing to me. I don't think I would use it as is, but I, I at least it's, I, I appreciate that they're trying and I appreciate that people are trying to do something new and different. You know, we had Neva, which launched, which is similar to Google in its layout. And and these guys and there's Brave and DuckDuckGo and some others that are out there, um, you know, major question whether anybody can get any meaningful usage because there's so much inertia around Google. You know, Mike, I'm sure you have yeah. opinions. Well, about the that. first question was this new product was going to be subscription, correct? U.com? No, yes. Neva is a Neva is a subscription. subscription, but is U.com yeah, a subscription? No, as far as I know, there's no there's no ads right now, and there's no subscription. I could be wrong about that, but mm -hmm. that's my understanding currently. Right. I did not talk to them. So yeah, I played with it, and I looked. I did a number of commercial searches, and their commercial searches are heavily weighted towards results from Walmart and Target, large large entities. They've sorted um, out the cesspool. <laughs> <laughs> They've identified, uh, you know, top 300 retailers and include them. Um, the other was I thought that their local search results were weak. They're basically Google API, mm -hmm. which is not as good as Google. From where I sit, the future of local is mobile and local. And there is one big player now, and there's a player coming that I think is sort of under people's radar. The player now is Google and the player coming is Apple. And they're clearly on stream to develop a locally based discovery environment that will include, I think, probably AR and other you know, enticing things. And to me, that's where the game is going to be played. Uh, you know, and I think that between the two of them, it makes sense. It's one thing just having one entrant to, to fight against being never succeeded. These four or five others are having a hard time. But I think having the two of them both with their platforms, unless they get separated from their platforms by antitrust uh, regulations, I think that the opportunities in this market are really long odd bets. You know, I think I think people are caught between wanting to do something that is not so radical that it disorients people and needing to do something different enough so it's differentiated. Because privacy mm -hmm. by itself which is DuckDuckGo's pitch, is really not enough. I mean, I am a DuckDuckGo user, um, but I I don't, I'm not, that's not number one, right? I'll use Google yeah. chiefly, and then occasionally I use DuckDuckGo. Um, and like, I, I, I was watching the show Big Mouth, which you may not have seen. It's a, it's a cartoon on Netflix. It's very funny. It's also not for children. <laughs> <laughs> and they 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 have a song in which they mention Lexapro, and that's some kind of uh, some kind of you know pharmaceutical drug. And I didn't know what it was. It's an antidepressant. So I went to DuckDuckGo to look that up because I didn't want that in my search history for Google, <laughs> for Google, right? And so that's the kind of situation where I use DuckDuckGo, where I don't want Google. What, Google. what other sorts searches do you do? On celebrities, Duck, celebrities, Duck. celebrities. So whenever there's a, like a celebrity search. I, I'll go to DuckDuckGo because I just don't want to have any of that in my Discover feed from Google, right? All right. So, so anyway, um, I, my I just son think uses Brave. 
I asked him the other day about it. Over the two years he's been using Brave, he's accumulated, I think, roughly $150 in tokens from clicking through ads. Apparently, Hmm. users get some amount of reward. Is there any value? Hmm. Uh, Yeah, like any, there's a market for these things these days. You could convert it into Bitcoin or convert it into cash if you want. But he said it's worth about $150. So there is some, and that was two years worth of use. Uh, I'm a Brave user. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I'm using Brave for privacy and speed. So, yeah. Yeah, apparently it is. So how do you find, how do you find it, David? Brave is years better than Chrome in terms of the uh, speed of the browser. But, but in terms of, in terms of the, the savings not... on bandwidth that it, that it eats. Well, I use, yeah, Google in, inside of Brave or DuckDuckGo right, right. inside of Brave. So Right, yeah. Well, I, I, I think that privacy alone, it's, inter- it's interesting because privacy is sort of an intellectual thing. It's an idea for people. It's like uh, the pitch from DuckDuckGo and others is we're not going to exploit your data and people like that idea in the abstract, but I think it's not powerful enough to entice much usage away from Google. So I think you have to have a different, really different user experience. But it's interesting that these bets are being made in this environment. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Be- because you- oh, wait, I didn't get to do my other item. Hey, hang on one second. But the bets, $20 million to Benoff is like nothing. pocket yeah. change. Yeah, it's, and it's $20 not a really big us. bet. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like me going to the casino and thinking, oh, I can blow $50 tonight kind of thing, right? right? It's yeah. that sort of level of investment. But, 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 so you think these entrepreneurs are, th- are thinking that they're just going to ride this sort of privacy anxiety into some market share? And no, I think w- that what, what's, bad- the, what's the end, what's the end game? Who's going to buy somebody like you.com? Yeah, that's a good question. But I think they're betting on some regulatory environment in which they have a bigger opportunity than they do now yeah i I think that's a probably a fair point um so uh, well we can i'll bring my item up in the context of your discussion i was going to talk about the filter bubble legislation but um mike you wanted to talk about the the piece you wrote on google business profile and some of the lobbying that google was doing to small businesses within that got a lot of traction a lot of notice and so it really struck a chord with people and what 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 were you what were you going to add to yeah, that? Well, just that it, it struck me that it was such a gross violation of small business trust that they would use such a high degree of deceptive FUD marketing with you know this underlying assumption that we're all in this regulatory fight together that somehow Google's interests are the same interests as the small business that that the, that the facts that they put forward were so untrue and the proofs they used were so biased i thought it was a very yellow page like sales thing with fud and and <laughs> google has traditionally treated their small business is somewhat more delicately and i just thought it it really shows that google is pulling off the you know the the gloves and is going full on to to manipulate public opinion to help them in their antitrust fund. And, and you've got to think about this in the bigger picture. Like we have a society that says monopoly is okay. It's illegal if you use it to hurt your competitors, but somehow it's not illegal if you use it to manipulate the political environment. And that strikes me as a society that really sucks. And that it's really hard to, it's like hard to imagine 
how that can be acceptable in our society. And yet it appears that there's no rules or laws against them using their monopoly to attempt to manipulate these small businesses. And I think yeah. when you look at it, that big level, it's like scary. Well, and Greg, you, you made the point that there's, there's so many small businesses that, you know, may not, um, may not make the effort to understand the underlying story that's that Google is pushing at them. And in my mind, they're abusing the trust. I mean, Google is one of the most trusted brands by small businesses, yep. according to the Alignable NPS and a whole range of other surveys that um, they're they're In my mind, they're abusing the trust um, that businesses have in them. And they're undoing a lot of the good that tools like Google My Business have done. Um, there's no denying that they've that GMB and its predecessors have given small businesses a ton of exposure at the expense of larger brands like Walmart and Target that would have ranked for those queries, um, you know, without without things like the local pack. And this seems like just, um, you know, they must be really scared is the, is the only thing I can say that the antitrust regulation is going to be successful. So. Yeah, today well, and yesterday, I don't know if you noticed in Twitter, but they've been rolling the same pitch out to AdWords and their domain service. I don't know where else it's being rolled yeah, out, but I got the email that Darren got whatever a couple of weeks ago, and it was to an AdWords specific email of mine. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So, so they're doing it, and they're also in AdWords. They have, you know, they have the notifications in the upper right. Normally, they're red, and they show you there's one, two, or three. This was an exclamation point, which I thought was almost cringeworthy in its sort of, oh, you have a really important message. Help us fight regulation against us message, right? Well, I, I think that very few small businesses are going to pierce the veil, so to speak, in this case, and, and really investigate who's behind these messages. And, you know, I mean, in fairness to the people who work on Google My Business and, and work directly with small businesses, it's not, as you pointed out, Mike, earlier before we went on, it's not their doing. This is some, this is some policy person or PR person somewhere in uh, you know, a cloistered environment who's saying, here's a, here's an opportunity for us to use our captive audience to, to put pressure on legislators. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that Facebook has done in a different way and Amazon to a lesser degree. Although and their messages are surprisingly similar. I almost identical, right? Almost right. identical, which, and you pointed in, out in, Mike in the, in the article that they're all part of this connected commerce council or whatever astroturfed, you know, seemingly seemingly um utopian organization um that, exactly. that all these big tech companies are are teaming up against regulation so and while public policy is separate from gmb i don't believe that it is isolated i believe that two things about this one i believe from what i can gather the email started several weeks ago they've been and google tested them that's one two i also believe they were approved at the highest level I do not believe that Apple, that Google would go into this without top down. Oh, absolutely not. This. Yeah. Right. So I just want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to leave it to anybody's doubt that this is somehow some wing nut. Yeah, no, rogue, not a rogue. A rogue. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that that was that survey. Remember the GMB sort of right. future yeah. services thing? And that was disavowed as like a rogue person product in Arizona manager. or somewhere. Yeah. 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 <laughs> not a product right. roadmap, not at all. It was a, it was just a anomalous event. Uh, someone who was high at the time put out. Has the anyone from Google responded to any 
major, I mean, obviously near media as much as we'd like it to be is not a major press outlet. Has anyone from Google responded to this not whole that I've seen. initiative? Not that I've seen. I mean, we could we could we could poke them and say, "Hey, what do you think of this?" and give us a on the you know on the record response. And whenever whenever you ask for for a response from Google that is printable, so to speak, they'll give you some very bland statement. You know, right. so it's it's we, we're always looking out for the best interests of our customers, and we believe blah blah blah, et cetera, right. et cetera. Um, you know, it's it's worth it's worth noting in our sort of final couple of minutes that Google Google faced the you know in Europe this week. They they were that's right. Um, they appealed a major. Uh, well, at the time, it was a major um, fine, two point seven billion U.S. Uh, fine against them for their shopping search product, which uh, the the European Commission, the the competition regulator, said was you know essentially search bias. Right, the 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 notion that Google is privileging its own product and harming competitors. They they issued issued the fine. Google appealed the appeal. Uh, finally went through and Google lost the appeal. They have one more appeal, which they'll probably make, but it's a big deal because now it kind of signals to the regulators that they can go after Google in other vertical areas, including local and maybe in other ways um, with, with, the, with more confidence. And, you know, there may be some similar importing of that thinking into the U.S. with all the things that are, that are happening. So, you know, I mean, I think that in a way that's more of a threat I, I don't have a lot of confidence that these antitrust things are going to play out in any meaningful way. I mean, I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, uh, anger and a lot of expression of frustration. And but I think you know maybe there's one or two things that'll get through on the other side. Um, uh, you know, we, we'll leave it for another time to talk do about you, the the filter bubble thing. But well, I was just gonna go no, I was gonna actually bring it in here. So do you do you feel like the uh, the regulatory environment that the people in charge of the regulatory environment and that the legislators in the EU, do you feel like they understand what's going on better than American legislators do, which clearly is pretty far from the mark based on this recent filter bubble legislation proposed? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just observing from afar. I haven't directly spoken to any of them. I mean, I think they're like, like anything, there's, there's people who are very sophisticated and people who are less sophisticated but I, would, I if I have to say, do the Europeans understand better than the Americans? Probably, although in the recent series of hearings that we've seen the tech companies appear at, the questions have been better. You know, the, there's been there's a lot more sophistication than there used to be. But the 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 filter bubble piece of legislation, which would require search engines of a certain size, you know, companies like Amazon, uh, Google, and Facebook, to have a toggle where you could turn off their algorithm and get some uncurated set of results seems to be really naive in a certain fundamental way. You know, it's, it's a very weird piece of legislation because there's always going to be an algorithm. It's just really a question of how right. much. Even, even Yahoo's earliest days as a portal had an algorithm. It was humans picking <laughs> the results, right? I mean, and this was the, is the recent Kobachar bill, right? Who's from Minneapolis. And my understanding of the bill was structured in such a way based on current income of 600 million dollars or yeah something. there was there was a there were two thresholds exclude, excluded target which is located in minneapolis mm. well yeah there's there's so many bills floating around it's hard to know who's and you know with co-sponsors and there's a cabal of people who are involved in in this but um there's so there's a there's a th a couple of thresholds one is a revenue threshold and the other is a usage threshold i believe but you know, these are these are sort of attempts to rein in these companies, but they're not. In many cases, they're not 
well crafted. And I think, you know, people don't really know what to do exactly. Right. Um, Not to say that GDPR was particularly well crafted either. Um, no. So it's just. It and that's largely been it. a failure. That's right. largely been a failure. I mean, all the privacy, CCPA, GDPR, largely a failure. The only privacy initiative that's really had some success, and we could debate whether that's true, um, is is the iOS 14.5 opt-in app tracking to transparency because it's snap and others would certainly uh, say that it's <laughs> that's a meaningful impact well you know the, the 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 people at uh, tech dirt have called it privacy theater because there are mm. there are uh, developers who are circumventing it by doing mm. fingerprinting and just sort of disregarding it which then falls to apple to enforce by booting right. people out of the app store yeah so i mean i don't think it's privacy theater but it may not be as effective as it initially appeared to be but uh, that's a very exciting note for us to go out on this week. Uh, anybody want to say anything a little more accessible, perhaps cheerful? Well, uh, Thanksgiving's coming you, up. You it are is. heading off to Europe for three weeks, and I want to wish you not three safe. weeks, not three weeks, ten so days, not three, ten days. I want to wish you safe travels and a fun. Thank trip. you. Yeah, it's going to be. It's Likewise. the first time I've gotten on a. It's the first time actually I've gotten on a plane to go mm -hmm. anywhere since February of 2020. So. Uh, I'll be sitting there for 11 hours with my mask, <laughs> lifting my mask and taking a drink and that sort of thing. They so, say turn, turn the air vents on high. You know, the, keep the air circulating. The, yeah. Keep the air yeah. circulating. I, I'll, 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 I'll plan on doing at least a couple of questionable uh, offensive rants during the flight <laughs> to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, so, be safe. Uh, enjoy all. your time and over there. At, yeah, well, je I, je well, jealous I, of uh, transcontinental travel right now. I'm yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't think it's going to be so glamorous. Um, but I will be. We will be putting out the newsletter, and um, we'll be doing this uh, broadcast next week. And I'll be live from, I think Berlin at that point. I'm going to be in Berlin and Portugal. Very okay. good. It will be our homage right. to David Hasselhoff. <laughs> yes, that's right. Okay. He's a <laughs> right. uh, TV star week. slash recording artist popular in Europe. Yeah, okay. Thanks. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for joining David, Mike, and Greg. To stay on top of the latest developments in local, subscribe to our newsletter at nearmedia.co. We'll see you next week.